0: Good evening, Intelligamers. Today is Tuesday, August 22nd. I'm Josh Boykin, founder of Intelligame.us, and you're listening to another edition of Intelligame Radio. everybody. I hope that you enjoyed the eclipse yesterday. You might have heard a couple clips from Intelligame Radio as we posted on our drive out to Malala, Oregon, which was in the path of totality. Unfortunately, in the path of totality, we totally lacked data signal. So I wasn't able to do anchor segments, anchor uploads from there because we didn't have data. It was still a really fascinating, amazing experience to be in that, that seemingly small strip of completely eclipsed space. The, I'm, if you haven't looked up a video or learned about what it's like in the path of totality for a solar eclipse, I recommend it. The temperature dropped, the animals lost their minds. There were roosters crowing all over the place. The crickets were chirping it got, like I said, there was a temperature drop. It got super cold. It was dark. It was an amazing experience. There was. I, I will likely try and travel to see the next one that is here in the States. It was absolutely fascinating. But for Intelligame Radio listeners, I, I do have a treat. Both of two of the friends who were with me on the trip, Samantha Kalman and Emily Tang, both work in the game industry. Uh, Know them through various channels, but I interviewed them for short segments and just recorded the audio. So I'm going to upload those so that you can listen to some of their backgrounds and how they got their starts in the industry. Uh, What, you know, how they feel about games. Let me also talk a little bit about the Eclipse too. There are some other things that we can catch up on as well. But first, let's let's go ahead and start with Emily and Samantha. All right, so Samantha, why don't we why don't we start with you? Tell us about what you do in games.
1: Um, I'm a right now. I'm working as a technical designer for a company called System Era. We're making a game called Astroneer, which is a space survival exploration game um, and some crafting in there, too, of course. Uh, before that, I was an indie. I made a game called Centris, which is my project that's kind of like an abstract puzzle game about making music. Um, I guess, like years before that, I was part of Unity, but like before it was cool.
0: <laughs> so I mean, what keeps you compelled to work in games? I mean, that's a, a pretty storied career moving from Unity mm-hmm. to Indie Dev to, mm-hmm. you know, Astroneer, which is- Pretty, being pretty successful on Early Access.
1: Yeah, um, I guess what keeps me motivated is um, the idea of just reaching people. Um, while I was at Unity, I mean, I was I was at Unity when it sort of went from uh, an unknown to a major player in the industry. Um, and I watched how many people it helped people that wanted to make games but the technical barriers were too high um, could suddenly make games because they had this tool Uh, and that reached people Um, and then with Centris, it it reached people in a very um, focused like intense but um, small scale way Um, the people that like it really really like it and it was you know people that I wanted to reach people with making the game so now with Astroneer we have like a lot of people that we've been able to reach um and and the game we have you know plenty of work to do to finish the game um to finish you know the systems and the features and um then just get into content production um to to finish it out um you know to to give to reach people with something that's a really kind of cool and specific fantasy about exploring uh, other worlds.
0: So, uh, if we were to find some way to layer on a uh, layer on an eclipse analogy to this, do you feel like spending time out here gives you opportunity for pause for reflection? Do you think that? How do you feel like that that kind of opportunity for peace plays into your ability to? Like, do you feel like it gives you a a view or angle into games or gaming?
1: Yeah, it's important to me to take time to relax and um, observe the world. Uh, I love games, but they're, you know, they're, they're, hmm, this is going to sound weird when I say it, but they're cold. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, they exist only in these flat screens that are these devices of various sizes that we're all obsessed with. Um, and, and, and they're made of steel and and circuitry and they bring us joy, but they're also, um, cold in that way. So, um, it's important to me to, um, to, to unplug and to take extra time to appreciate, observe and appreciate the world. Like we have a bunch of birds that are just like arriving around us and like flying around us right now. Uh, And that's like kind of incredible (laughs) to, uh, to just notice, um, and that helps recharge my batteries to uh to get back into, you know, sitting at a computer all day, every
0: day. Yeah. So what are uh what are you playing when you're not, you know, actively doing development?
1: Um, what have I been playing lately? I played a little bit of Hitman recently. Um I've been playing a lot of Splatoon Two. I really think Splatoon Two is a great game.
0: I heard a lot of people like it. Yeah,
1: it's so fun and the matches are short so that's really like pick up and play and there's like cool style and cool fashion and cool culture in that game um and i like being a squid kid i think it's really fun <laughs> um uh yeah those are probably the ones that i mean i'm probably been putting most of my time into splatoon my gaming time into splatoon lately i missed the first one so i'm catching up sure
0: so if folks uh want to find your work or if they want to find you online how do they do it
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm on Twitter at SamanthaZero, the word, and um, uh, yeah, also SystemEra.net or Astroneer.space are the projects I'm working on now.
2: All right, well,
0: I'm going to go back to my pinhole projecting, so yeah. Thanks for talking, though.
1: Yeah, and you can borrow my glasses.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Samantha's a really awesome person. I met her for the first time at a convention called Pixel Pop out in St. Louis. She was the keynote speaker giving a talk about her game Centris and her experience as an indie developer. Uh, I would encourage you to check out Centris if you are into puzzle games or making music. Uh, It's a really, it's a treat of a game. After talking with Samantha, we ended up getting distracted by a little event called the Solar Eclipse, which was pretty great. But by the time the event was over and we huddled back into the car, most of us were super tired. So we crashed for a bit and then rode back to Portland. After we got some food and got some of our energy stores back, I sat down with Emily to talk with her about her experiences working in games as well. So the eclipse is already concluded, it was a really awesome experience and we're just kind of hanging out here back at the house decompressing and processing some stuff. I'm here with my friend Emily and she's working up in Seattle doing game stuff, has been doing game stuff for a while which is pretty exciting.
3: Hello. Yes. What sort of game stuff? Sorry, I don't know what I was supposed to say. No,
0: no, it's totally cool. Like, uh, talk a little bit about like how you got into. It. We worked together at uh, a software company back in Madison that really wasn't connected to games. How did you make your way in?
3: Um, it was mostly just happenstance. Like, so the job at Epic was first job out of college, and it was all QA work. And then I moved to Seattle, and it's like, well, where else can I do QA work? oh there happens to be a lot of game companies <laughs> and I just sort of fell into it and from there I started uh, I sort of settled into that and I started expanding so um, now I'm doing mostly QA work still but I'm starting to get into writing for games and stuff like that.
0: it's no, really cool what do you uh, what do you feel like brought that segue we were in a creative writing group together back in Madison so What, uh, how did you get started using those writing talents in games?
3: Well, it's always been something I've been interested in. And I started out mostly like I had a friend who wanted to make a game. And so I started out writing quest lines and um, dialogue for him. Um, And then after that, I just, it was something I got a taste for and I wanted to do it more professionally. So then I started just putting out feelers and applying for positions as a game writer until something landed. Sure.
0: So can you talk about the projects that you're working on right now?
3: Yeah. So uh, I'm on the writing team for a game called Gala Collider. It's a 4X strategy card game. It's going into open alpha later this fall. Um, So the premise of it is that it's millions of years in the future and the Andromeda Galaxy and the... Milky Way are in this massive uh, aeons-long collision with each other. And that brings multiple alien species into contact for the first time and with all of the uh, cultural misunderstandings <laughs> that come with it. And that results in lots of wars and uh, battles for resources and stuff like that. So at uh, the player is... On either the, the humans, the sapien side, or the alien side, and you just fight it out okay. on star maps.
0: How uh, how you enjoyed the writing process for that?
3: I've really enjoyed it. It's really challenging. It's really different. Um, so like with card games, you there isn't really like a cohesive storyline that you follow. It's and it's not like you're actually there's not a real um vehicle for the narrative so you it's it's more telling it through like flavor text and little side side stories like scenarios and stuff like that and it's more of something that the user has to or the player has to piece together on their own by reading all of these little flavor texts
0: do you have a, a particular piece of like flavor text or a particular story you're kind of proud of
3: not sure i can talk about it yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's fair so i mean we've had this time talking about space which of course means that we should segue into the eclipse how did how did it feel for you
3: it felt very awe <laughs> inspiring isn't the word but it made me feel really small but in a good way because there's like This grand galactic ballet that's going on all the time where we're going around the sun, the moon's going around the earth, and it's just, I mean, it happens every day and you don't think about it. It's just something that is, and then there's something like this eclipse that it's so wonderful and so majestic. It makes you stop and think and actually look at what's happening instead of just accepting it for what it is.
0: Yeah, it was pretty powerful, I gotta admit. Well, uh, if folks are looking for you or your work, uh, where can they find you?
3: So they can always check out the Gala Collider website. It's just Google Gala Collider. It's the first thing that will pop up. Um, I also have a blog, which is mostly just posting whatever's on my mind. So it's a mishmash of anything. Um, politicalanemic.wordpress.com. <laughs> yep. okay,
0: cool. Well, uh, thanks for talking, Emily. And thanks for coming down to visit.
3: Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: I'm really glad I got a chance to share an interview with Emily, with you. Emily's a really fantastic person and actually, fun story, she actually got me a Marth amiibo. Marth is one of my favorite characters in Fire Emblem and certainly in Super Smash Bros. And so I was super excited to, to finally get my hands on one of those. Anyway, I hope that you look up her work on Gala Collider and you check out her Political Anemic blog. Uh, in the meantime, let's continue on with the show. If you're a person who is a fan of retro gaming, you might have seen the blow up on the internet when pre-orders for the SNES Classic came up and went down almost just as quickly. A couple of retailers had pre-orders available earlier today and then uh, a number of folks, GameStop included, had some in-store pre-orders but it seemed like virtually any place that you could have pre-ordered a console from was done by about 10.30 a.m. This is pretty unfortunate for folks who are not lucky enough to be able to randomly trounce away from their job or wherever it is to go stand in line at a GameStop for one of possibly 10 to 15 pre-orders. It's disheartening because on one hand, It's really, it's fantastic that Nintendo is giving us this opportunity to relive nostalgia. But we all saw what happened when the NES Classic was released. Instantly, it became this hot market commodity for resellers. People who legitimately wanted the system to be able to share retro gaming experiences with their friends or family, or maybe just have a little iconic totem of a piece of gaming history they loved. But have to would have to pay two, three times the price on eBay or other resellers to get access to the console. Unless they just happen to be in the right place at the right time. Now, I should go on record and say that I was one of the lucky people at the right place at the right time who was able to place a SNES Classic pre-order today. So, perhaps some of this is going to come off as duplicitous. Or, maybe not duplicitous, but just like I'm not... I don't know. Either way, the the point of it is that you shouldn't have to be in one of these super lucky positions to be able to get your hands on what will inevitably, inevitably become a piece of collector's gear or gaming history. I grew up on the Super Nintendo, and so even though the NES Classic was something that seemed interesting to me, the SNES Classic w- was an instant sell for me. I really wanted to get my hands on one because the spending time on the Super Nintendo playing Super Mario World and Donkey Kong Country and Kakoma Knight in Busyland, because I had to write that to play with my sister, Earthbound, these are situations that they made up a really big core of why games felt important to me at a young age. And so having this physical object to signify some of that and give me the opportunity to relive those experiences, it's pretty cool. But I'm frustrated by Nintendo's seeming inability to create enough supply for their demand. The word is supposedly that SNES Classics will only be created until the end of the year, at which point they'll be gone, and like the Nintendo Switch, and like the Nintendo DS when it originally released, like the Wii when it originally released, I'm sure that it's going to be a game in itself to try and track this console down. I just hope that there are more people who are able to win that game, Because for me, SNES is a really critical piece of game history. And though I understand there are ways for people to go about and play these games using an emulator or uh, whatnot to play it at a much cheaper rate, there is something about the authenticity, the tangible hold it in your hands of a non-ergonomic Super Nintendo controller and plugging it directly into your TV I don't know, maybe I'm waxing nostalgic, but my hope is that there will be more opportunities for folks to take on these retro experiences in the future. The debate around what characterizes free speech, particularly here in the United States where it becomes a constitutional issue, is a debate that continues to rage on and forms the center of a number of hotbed issues particularly some that circle around the idea of whether or not hate speech is protected, whether or not the rallies of white supremacists and whatnot are covered under that same blanket. It's a complicated issue. We have a couple people who have called in in regards to some of the conversation we've had on those topics. So let's go ahead and start with a call in from Simon over at Simon Says. Josh, it's been
3: a while. Well, a while on anchor. Hope you are well. I've just heard a couple of your clips about, I think you're probably discussing stuff related to Charlottesville. I don't know if you've heard, but over here in Europe, Barcelona, Finland, and somewhere else has had terror. Terror attacks like we had in London, Manchester. Yeah. It's the hate, you see? It's the hate. It's the hate. Send more love. Love always will overcome. Overcome. I don't use the word beat because beat
0: is a negative word. Overcome. Love will overcome fear. And fear is hate. Simon, thanks for that call in. And yeah, it has been a little while, but I'm doing pretty well. I hope you are too. And congratulations on the success that you've had over it. Simon Says. I like the idea of putting these contrasting forces in terms of love and fear do you say love versus hate or good versus evil sets up a fairly predictable binary but love versus fear i think gets to the heart of the matter that a lot of this hate centric rhetoric comes from a place of fear fear of eradication of a of a white culture or something i don't i don't know It is just scary to know that there are people out there who are carrying weapons, um, ready to act on these situations. For me, I feel like the discussion has to get to a point of how do we demonstrate love? Knowing that love runs in opposition to fear is the first step, but then what do we do from there? Do we show love by Spending more time volunteering? Do we show love by spending more time reading? Do we write letters? I just recently heard a story on a podcast about a woman who wrote love letters and left them randomly all around the city and in, in her campus. Uh, what are these ways that we act on love to get love to spread? I think that having the concept or the idea that love overcomes fear is a good start, but we have to start figuring out what are the ways in which we can show love. And I think, if I think about it from a gaming perspective or from an game perspective, some of that comes from trying to highlight discussions that give us a framework so that we have something to look forward to, trying to find perhaps games to showcase that illuminate the stories and the struggles of people who are being marginalized uh, people who are under attack and trying to give them a voice trying to show love to those people who are being hurt it's difficult to find uh love and understanding for some of those who are not completely far out on the margins the folks who are claiming you know nazi or white supremacist rhetoric who are looking to you know hurt and kill um but yeah this is a this is a complex subject and i think that the answer is complex but it's also inherently simple and i think that we each have our own ways of figuring out how to spread love even here on anchor just by sharing other people's segments and having discussions and creating a positive community so thanks for that colin i really appreciate it Our next call in comes from Aaron, who wanted to make a quick statement about free speech.
2: Hello, I wanted to call in and talk about free speech. Um, well, the Constitution not all speech is protected if you are inciting people you know to violence, if you're yelling fire in a crowded theater or something, you know, these things are not all protected. So, anybody that just uses the blanket excuse of free speech, doesn't really know the law, doesn't and not really being genuine and really wanting to have a debate about what should be allowed and what shouldn't be allowed. They just want to have the other side be wrong and their side be right. Look at root causes. The rich just keep getting richer. Everybody else, no.
0: Definitely appreciate that, Colin, Aaron. And you're right. Not all speech is protected under the First Amendment. In fact, when somebody says something akin to what we usually say is fire in a crowded theater using speech that would endanger the lives of others, that is not protected under the First Amendment. Of course, the more complex question then is if we know that there are some clear-cut endangering scenarios that are not protected, as well as other situations like uh, apparently, I just looked this up, uh there was a court case where uh they determined that you cannot advocate for illegal drug use at a public school school sanctioned gathering. Like there's there's some stuff in there. But then we have to determine what about speech that's unpopular? right now the difference between I'm criticizing the government which is what the I I believe the first uh, amendment was originally created for and I'm spreading speech that incentivizes people to think about exterminating races or creating a war that uh, excludes those races from existing in this country to me those seem like significantly different classes of speech And in a world where we're increasingly seeing uh, persecution of journalists and a number of accusations that can put them in danger, the First Amendment is exceptionally critical. But again, this does kind of come down to, well, how, how do we figure out what speech is protected free speech? In games, we had to deal with this discussion a little bit ago, maybe a year, a couple years ago, when the game Hatred was released. It was a top-down shooter where you play as a man who decides to go on a bloodthirsty rampage and use any guns available to mow down, I believe, suburbs full of innocent whoever. And, of course, this caused a big stir because the discussion of violence in video games already shows up without one of these blatant uh kind of quote-unquote socially irresponsible scenarios. The game released, as far as I know the game flopped. Uh not only was it likely not appealing <laughs> to many folks, but it also wasn't particularly good. Apparently it was filled with bugs and things like that and so uh, perhaps that was a pardon, uh, pardon that was a um a poor situation dodged but did they have the right to create that game was that game incentivizing or telling people to shoot up uh, neighborhoods full of innocent people no it wasn't um it may have created the virtual scenario but as far as i know it wasn't telling people to go out and do this what we defend as free speech is exceptionally complicated and I do think that we have to understand where these situations come into play, that we need to take a stand and say, no, this is not acceptable. Or if the government can't step in and say this is not acceptable, we in our own communities and societies have to have to show up and say this is not acceptable, which is why it's been so reaffirming to see these giant counter protests show up at white supremacy rallies where people have shown up and said, no, this is not conduct. We will accept this is not even necessarily a first amendment or free speech issue this is just a we don't accept this kind of hatred and irrational bigotry in our society issue and if that's what it comes down to so be it thanks for that call in aaron All right, folks, that's going to wrap us up for a little bit. I've been your host, Josh Boykin, the founder of Intelligame.us. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at WallStormer. Thank you so much for listening. Always appreciate your support. Anywhere that you're looking for us, you can find us with the handle Let's Intelligame. If you're looking on Facebook or Twitter, you can go to Facebook or Twitter.com slash Let's Intelligame. Don't forget that we do our weekly live stream, Let's IntelliPlay, on Thursday from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific time. And you can find that at twitch.tv slash Let's IntelliGame. Also, don't forget that you can find us right here on Anchor. And if you're going to tell your friends, you can tell them to go to anchor.fm slash Let's IntelliGame or look up IntelliGame Radio on whatever their podcast app is. Google Play, iTunes, that kind of thing. Also, if you care about the work that's here done here at Intelligame and want to see it grow, you can always help support Intelligame by becoming a patron, a Patreon backer. We can get some access to exclusive content and just otherwise help make sure that this community grows. And that's over at Patreon.com slash Let's Intelligame. Anyway, thanks much for all your support, your time, and we'll talk to you real soon.